Okay, welcome back to Frog Fever, a Big 12 basketball podcast brought to you by KillerFrogs.com. I'm here. My name is Davis Wilson. Nick Germani is here, as always. And I believe this is episode 15 of Frog Fever. And we made it. We made it. And the good news is that 15 is going to be a banger, I think. I expect a banger. We've got one of the coolest guests uh, that we've had on the show. Alex Robinson, the all-time um, leader for TCU's basketball program history and assists. He can't, he comes on later. We talked to him for a while. Super fun interview. Really cool guy. Um, it was so cool to talk to him because I remember watching him like in that NIT run years ago. Just such a cool guy and obviously loves TCU a lot. Um, let's see what else do we have. We have we had a crazy week of TCU basketball. Jameer Nelson Jr., big shot. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but first, I guess we'll just start into the Big 12 as a whole. And um, yeah, I mean, first, how are you doing? How's it going for you? I'm good. I'm hyped for this episode. Like you said, we we this is probably as, as good of an episode as it's gotten so far with how the yeah. TCU game turned out. You know, a little 2-0 two, two week, perfect prediction last week, and A-Rob on the show. Um that was everything I think we wanted in the interview and more um, yeah. when our expectations, it's super fun hearing his story and the way he looks at TCU nowadays. It's, um, it's definitely something you want to stick around for, but yeah, another great, great week of big 12 hoops. TCU got off the bubble a little bit, which we'll get into. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. What a week. Um, a lot. I mean, it's, it's, we say it every week, but a lot of good games as usual. Um, a lot of big wins for teams, a lot of bad losses for teams. Um, let's kind of start, I guess, with what you what you believe to be the win of the week in the Big Twelve. What what's what win impressed you the most? Yeah, I want to talk about this win less strictly for the game, but more of just how good this team is. Mm-hmm. So I went with Iowa State winning against Cincinnati on Tuesday. Um, kind of like a sleeper game there. We mm-hmm. talk about Cincinnati every week in the with in the inner out segment that we do, how they're on the bubble and every game means so much to them. Mm-hmm. So Iowa State has been so dependent on their home court, which you talked about too. Um like they don't lose at home and you and you wonder how much that travels to other teams and how really good they are. Iowa State just is the real, the real deal. Um, they went into Cincinnati, have a pretty comfortable win, and all their guys show up. Like Lips, you drop fifteen. Rob Jones, twelve. You know, Keyshawn Gilbert, t- double digits. Like they have so many dudes. They're so balanced. Their defense is stifling. And what I'm super excited for because I think everybody is put on onto Iowa State. Like they're they were top ten this week and they're even gonna move up higher. Mm-hmm. They play at Houston, I believe, tomorrow. So it would be Monday. Wow. I'm super yeah. excited for that matchup because I mean that game could be like forty to forty at the end just because of how great their defense is. Mm-hmm. Um but Iowa State having another great week, getting that win at Cincinnati, which TCU fans know is not an easy place to play and not an easy team to beat. It just so makes Iowa State fans so optimistic, and then um, they beat uh, they beat Tech pretty comfortably at home too um, that Saturday. So Iowa State's won four in a row, won seven of eight. Um, they're 
incredible and i'm fully bought in on the cyclones right now yeah i like this pick because it just this week showed us even more how good iowa state is and the thing about them is we knew they were good but they continue to not take a step back they have avoided setbacks i remember like in the beginning of their season or their big 12 season ellipsy was out for a little bit it didn't seem to matter too much they BTCU, I remember that game. But they're now nine and three in the Big 12. Um, their three losses in the conference are at Baylor, at BYU, at Oklahoma. Um it's, it's just so impressive how they they're so consistently good. They're just a really good team. And I think that game against Houston tomorrow um is gonna be yeah. like game of the game of the year caliber. Or it has the potential. I like that. Who knows? Who knows what will, you know, what yeah. will happen? But it definitely on paper has potential to be like one of the games of the year in the Big Twelve because I believe those are the two best teams in the conference. And I you think see, so too. Yeah, and you mentioned Iowa State. Um, Iowa State is undefeated at home. They have three losses on the road. Um, they're going on the road to Houston, and so that's one area where we where it may be a cause for concern. Um, but yeah, I'm just really excited. They, they just are consistently really an awesome team to watch. So I like that pick. Yeah. Lot. They they play an ugly, an ugly brand of ball that, that mm. just frustrates everybody. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much success they have in the tournament when um, big, you know, big 12 teams at least have a little bit of preparation knowing them well, but when they play, a team that doesn't even know like it could be even worse. So Iowa State's definitely a dangerous team. Yeah. That Houston Iowa State game will feature two of the top three defenses in the country, according to Ken Palm's um defensive uh efficiency rankings. So I'm curious like what the over under is going to be set up because the offenses are good, but the defenses in this game are going to be like if you're if you like defense, if you're one of those guys who likes to lock in and watch defense. Yeah. Um. This is the game for you. Tune into that game tomorrow, because yeah, it's going to be over unders. Over unders one twenty eight point five, and I might even hit the under on that. And that's yeah, a that's crazy. A, that's that's a, like sixty. Yeah. What? What? Sixty four, sixty five, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be ugly basketball, like you mentioned. But it's going to be. I th- I think the ugly basketball is the is the most beautiful basketball. If that makes any sense. Exactly. What uh, separates college from NBA? Exactly. Yeah. All right, my win of the week, my win of the week and my loss of the week are are gonna are the same game. And I'll yeah. start with the win of the week. We can highlight the winner first. Yeah. But on I think this was Monday of last yeah. week. Because it was during the TCU game. Yeah. Uh, Monday of last week, Kansas went to Lubbock and got absolutely pounded by Texas Tech. Like I'm not sure. I don't have the numbers pulled up. I imagine this has got to be one of the worst Big 12 losses that Bill Self has ever had at Kansas. I don't know. But it was 79 to 50 final score, and it was never really close. Um, they were missing McCuller, which we've we talked about, you know, how that would affect them, and it affected them quite a bit in this one. Um, but I'll talk about Texas Tech first because they deserve some they deserve a ton of credit for this one darian williams 30 yeah, points for texas Tech. yeah what a game for him 30 points 
um, 11 rebounds, three assists, two steals, a block. And he did not miss one shot. I actually didn't know that until I'm looking at it, but he was perfect yeah. from the field and from the free throw line. So, golly, that's one of the best stat lines I've seen all year, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I think it's the it's the first time either in the Big 12 or all of college basketball I saw that a player has dropped 30-plus on perfect shooting in like 15 years or something like that. Lord, I mean, yeah. it's the it's the performance of the year. 30 points, 12 of 12, 4, 4 from 3, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, like you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane. And yeah. that's a part of the reason what made Tech um, have that crazy success is that it's tough to lose when a guy does that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the whole team for, for Tech, as you said, what a monumental win. Because uh, they were kind of sliding in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. You know, they got off to that hard start where they were first in the conference, and then they dropped, what, three in a row, TCU, Cincy, Baylor, um, mm-hmm. and then they're kind of looking down. So getting that win over Kansas is crazy, but um, if you're ready to move into the, the Kansas side of it, I mean, that to me was almost – it was more of an alarm as to Kansas being bad than Tech's win for the most mm-hmm. part because mm-hmm. – we talked about last week how Kansas had that big win over Baylor and they did it without McCuller. Um, so I was kind of giving them props about how they proved the, some of the depth concerns wrong. Uh, we still said that they had depth concerns, but this just makes me reverse on everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, they couldn't do anything on offense without McCuller because everybody just focused on Dickinson. Dickinson only had five points on two of 10 shooting. Um, it just is so much easier to defend Kansas. And I think that Baylor game gave them a blueprint and tech is a better defensive team than Baylor. So it was a lot easier to hone in on what they wanted to do, which is obviously get the ball in and Hunter Dickinson and have to be the focal point of the offense. So Kansas needs to be healthy. That's mm-hmm. point blank. Yeah, absolutely. If they want to have success and their worries are so thin right now, they have mm-hmm. such a thin margin that they have to be perfect in. Mm-hmm. And it scares me again, you know, last week I was a little bit more optimistic about them starting to buy in a little bit, but I have complete 180 that and got back on my original take, which I'm, I'm scared about this Kansas team. Yeah. Yeah. I would. So this is my loss of the week. This is maybe my loss of the year. Honestly, this was yeah. as bad, a, as bad of a loss that I've seen um in the big 12 all year and obviously there have been some blowouts but to see this from a kansas team that was sixth in the country according to ap poll at the time was just shocking you do not beat kansas by 29 points yeah conference game ever that does not happen so credit to tech but yeah this kansas team has some problems and it's funny actually nick timberlake showed up for this game he was five of yeah. seven two of four from three 13 points our guy furphy 13 points no one else no one else cold. got anything <laughs> over seven points so i mean it's there's a lot of concerns we've talked about them a lot De- uh depth and i think you're right they have to if, if they want to make a run which they can i think we know they can we know they're good enough too but the conditions and the situation is going to have to be perfect for them to make a run. And um, that's always kind of scary. That's always a little bit scary, but um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a crazy game. Um, 
back to uh darian williams of tech he's averaging like 10 points a game and i'm looking at his um game log he doesn't have he before that game he hadn't even scored 20 points um in his all season he hadn't even got the 20 and he gets 30 on perfect shooting that's pretty good but yeah those are like the um it's like the jameer nelson game against baylor where he he hadn't come close to that you know but except darren williams did it without triple overtime and um and no missed shots so it's probably the performance of the year maybe in all of college basketball yeah i i i saw that he got 30 i somehow missed that he was 12 of 12 um so yeah, that's about the craziest. That's probably the best game I've seen from any individual player. Um, you know, yeah. that's insane. But yeah, those th- that's my loss and my win of the week tied into one. Um, good stuff from Tech. They're kind of back on. You know, that was a huge win for them. Kansas. Yeah. Kansas got McCuller back and went to Oklahoma yesterday and beat Oklahoma. So, you know, they're. I don't know how much that game. They need to be means. healthy. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that, how much that's that game a takeaway. Yeah, yeah. If they're healthy. They're. It's just such a. They're. It's a different team when they're healthy, and unhealthy. And Kansas fans better be praying that that team is healthy come March. Definitely. Well, my loss of the week. Um, a little bit less of an emphatic game with with high um high programs in the Big Twelve, but kind of flying under the radar. I feel like we haven't talked about BYU as much as we did at the start of the year. Uh, the once number one team in the net <laughs> <laughs> dropped a game at Oklahoma State, which is a bottom two team in the conference. Mm. I I bought into this BYU team, and I still do – I still am bought into this BYU team because their offense is that legit. But you can't be dropping games to Oklahoma State and yeah. expect to be in the upper echelon of not just the Big 12, but college basketball. I mean, they're probably going to drop out the rankings this week. They barely escaped a win at home against UCF um, on Tuesday, too. So this could have been a disaster of a week for BYU, where I think a lot of people are highlighting them more as being fraudulent because all the advanced metrics love them. Um, so it makes you want to buy into them. But their defense is, is scary. I mean, giving up 88 points to UCF and giving up 93 to Oklahoma State, who Oklahoma State's offense has struggled big time all year, is just unacceptable. And they're going to have to um, to bounce back quick if if they want to have success because they're training downwards at the wrong time, which is kind of scary. So um, we don't have to spend too much time on this game because it, does, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy. I mean, losing a, a road game isn't crazy, but I think BYU, if you want to take that next step, you definitely expect a win against Oklahoma State. Yeah. How concerned are you about their lack of great wins? Like, they they have that win against Iowa State at home. They have that one against San Diego State early in the year. But other than that, if you look at the wins they have, especially in Big 12, it they're really not all that impressive. Are you at all worried about that? Yeah. Uh. A little bit, I would say. I think the Iowa State one is big because Iowa State's proven that they're one of the top teams in the nation, as we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, because I think they rely on their offense too much. They're like a worse Baylor to me, where they mm-hmm. shoot the ball really well. They have a lot of um, good offense, and they can beat any team because their offense has the potential to go crazy at, it, at any time, just like Baylor. But when you face a lot of grinded out teams, when in the Big 12, there's a lot of them 
that you have to go through, like your Houston's, your um, your Techs, you know, so mm-hmm. so many. You can go on and on. That it does scare me. Um, I BYU, I could see them getting upset in the first round of the mm-hmm. of NCAA tourney, and I could see them going on a run to the Elite Eight or something like that, just because they're that they have such a low floor and such a high ceiling that mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from them, to be honest. Yeah, they're kind of a polarizing team. Um, they get Baylor on Tuesday uh, at yeah. home, which is going to be a fun game because you mentioned that's two offenses, um, two really good offenses, and then two, you know, not great defenses. So there might be a lot of points. If if we talked about that uh, Houston-Iowa State game a little bit ago, the defense, the ugly game. If you don't like that game, I would say save yourself and watch Yeah this Baylor BYU game because I expect a lot of points and um, not a ton of defense, but yeah, I just am looking at their wins and they're fine. They're doing they're 18 and seven They're six and six and big 12. They have Baylor coming up. They get a chance to, they get to go to Kansas. They get TCU at home um, and they get Iowa state again, which will be an interesting game, but um, I'd like to see him get a couple more of those. Like, yeah, those kind of signature type wins because they don't have, they have some that Iowa state win. Um, Iowa state is probably a bit of a different team now than they were then just because of the, I don't know if you believe in momentum or anything like that, but I'm curious to see what happens when they play in March. But regardless of that, that Iowa state game is a signature win, really good win. But I, other outside of that, that's, I don't know. It's just not not that all that impressive to me right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, all it is like Iowa State's doing is playing hot at the right time. TCU, hopefully, they lead into it and playing mm-hmm. hot at the right time. That's all you need in college basketball because BYU, barring a disaster, is going to be in the tournament and probably be a top eight seed where they have a favorable matchup in the first round just because of how successful their non-conference was, which we talked about a lot earlier in the year and uh, yeah. how good of a program Pope's built. But mm-hmm. if you're trending downwards, I mean, it's, it's looking a lot less likely that they win that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, So we'll go to in or out. We don't have too much for this segment this week. Cincinnati's yeah. still kind of around, but we have a couple more um, kind of hypothetical questions to ask about the bubble in a little bit, but let's start with Cincinnati because they're still kind of hanging around this bubble and we really wanted them to take advantage of this week, maybe get a win against Iowa state at home. They couldn't do it. Um, Yeah. So they split, they split the, the week. They're still just, they're, they're not going on any runs. They're not like, yeah, they're not making anything happen. So I had them on outside the bubble last week. Um, They're still, I would say they're still right outside the bubble this week. Um, yeah. And, that, you know, I think they still do have chances to get some big wins or go on a run. They get Oklahoma State, TCU, Houston, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia to close the season out. So there are definitely some games they can win there, and and they could definitely go on a bit of a run. But I'm concerned that they haven't done that yet. And um, I don't know. They really don't have that – really signature win well they they beat byu on the road which is pretty good but they need to 
they we've got to see more from them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just going to copy and paste, kind of like you said, which is what I've been saying. I feel like every single week we've done this segment is that they're right out because they split. Um, they were actually favored in that Iowa State game at home, and that mm-hmm. was the opportunity where if you sweep this week, you're on that right side of the bubble, and they mm-hmm. didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Again, you're in the Big 12, so opportunities come. They're going at TCU, us, which we'll obviously preview. Um, but that is a win where if you know they're home against Oklahoma State, that should be a win because they are playing for so much more, and they're just a way better team than Oklahoma State at this point of the season. But you take care of business there. You win at TCU. You're in a good spot looking forward because you play Kansas State and West Virginia. And if you split those, then you finish 500 in, in conference play. And you're, um, I'd say you're good for, for making the tournament there. It's it's mm-hmm. hard to agree. Otherwise, maybe you win a game of the Big 12 tourney or something like that. But, I mean, they're going to come right down to the wire. And they need to win a game that they're not supposed to win to be able to do that. So, until then, copy and paste from every single pod that we've done they're so close but they're not in it yeah yeah i mean they have so they have oklahoma state tcu i i mentioned it already but they're like that oklahoma state game is a win for them that should be a win at least the west virginia game should be a win kansas state feels like you should get a win even if they win all those three games don't you feel like they need to get one more of the yeah houston like i feel like they got to do more than just when the games are supposed to, which is the point you just made. They've got to make they've got to surprise us somehow. They haven't really surprised us all year. Yeah. We've gotten what we've expected from Cincinnati all season long. So um yeah, they gotta do something. And we'll talk more about that TCU game. Um uh, because if, yeah. if they're able to go two and this week, we said it last week, the exact same thing we said last week. Yeah. I on the rise. Yeah, yeah. On the rise. I would say this for them. So you have Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and West Virginia at home. Mm-hmm. Those you'll be big favorites in those, and you should be able to take care of business and win those. Mm-hmm. They need to do one. They they go at Houston, at TCU, at o- Oklahoma. Barring something crazy, you're not going to win at Houston. That's just mm-hmm. they're one of the best teams in basketball. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to pick off TCU, hopefully not, <laughs> or <laughs> at Oklahoma, uh-huh. or win like two games two, three games in the Big 12 tourney. Yeah. And you probably need to do both to to be secure because there's going to be bid stealers come when March rolls around. So time's ticking for, for Cincy, and they're going to need to make a run soon. They're, pro- they're the most intriguing team on the – maybe the most intriguing bubble team because they're so close every single week that it's yeah. it's fun to watch them. But, again, if I was a Cincinnati fan, I'd be, I'd be nervous. They've probably been on the bubble, like, since Bracketology started coming out, I feel yeah. like. It's the entire crazy. year. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we want to see more from Cincinnati. Show us more. Um, so that's kind of our only real bubble team right now. But one of the questions I had for you, and we can discuss this yeah. a little bit. How, how safe, how safe is Oklahoma? Because they've yeah. now lost, they lost two in a row this week. Granted, there were losses to two good teams, Baylor and Kansas. But they're six and seven in the Big 12, 18 and eight overall. You look at their wins, they have a win at home against Iowa State. And that is about it. They beat BYU at home, but, you know, BYU, we, we aren't quite sure about them. Um, so, yeah, what do you think about Oklahoma? Are they, are they in danger? Um, what do they need to do to 
avoid danger. What do you think about this team? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing because I think since Oklahoma was like top 10 in the country earlier in the year, you just kind of expect them to be in. And in most bracketologies, they're not on the bubble. Mm-hmm. But if you look at their metrics, I mean, we've obviously seen them sliding and sliding and sliding, and those two losses aren't good. Um, as you say, it's not tough because you look Baylor and Kansas, as you said, so it's not horrible losses. But they're 37 in Ken Palm and 38 in net. I mean, that's right there being on the bubble. And they, you know, they're, yeah, as I said before, they're riding this hot start where everybody thinks of them as a better team than they probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you drop a couple of games um, next up and they still have Iowa State and Houston left in their last five games and at Texas, which are all, you're probably going to be underdogs in them. If you lose all, if you finish season two and three, and um, that would be eight and ten in conference. Yes, they had a good non-conference, but it's 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 going to be close. And I'm I'm interested to see how people value how experts value this team because mm-hmm. it's it's going to be close. And I'm surprised it hasn't been um they haven't been put on the bubble in more bracketologies yet. Yeah, yeah. Looking at the the rest of their schedule, it's really 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 tough. Um, so they go to Oklahoma State, which is a rivalry game. We just saw Oklahoma State get a really nice win at home. And Oklahoma State's one of those teams really with not a lot to lose. They're going to want to beat um, Oklahoma. This will be the last time, I guess, that Oklahoma State and Oklahoma play a Big 12 regular season game. So um, that's storylines there. You know, you look at that and you say that's probably a win for Oklahoma, but I don't, I don't feel comfortable calling that a guaranteed win for Oklahoma. And then you have um, Iowa State on the road, really tough. Houston at home, really tough. Cincinnati at home, that's one you should probably get. And then Texas on the road, another rivalry game. Um, And Texas handled um, Oklahoma when they played earlier in the year. So that's a really tough schedule, uh, one that I'm a little bit worried about. But um, looking at those last what is that five games? What do you what do you think they need to do to uh get in? We don't have to think about the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah. What do you think they need to do in those last five to be to feel safe, I guess, on that selection Sunday? Yeah, to feel safe. I mean, at Iowa State, again, barring a miracle, you're not gonna win Iowa State. Houston, even at home, barring a miracle, you're not gonna beat them. <clears throat> so I would say pick off your rival Texas um, in that last one of the season, ride that momentum high because Cincinnati at home, it'll be close, but you should win that in Oklahoma state. You should win that next mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you finish three and two, you finish 500. They should be fine because their non-conference is great. And they, they only had one loss in the non-conference and that was to North Carolina on a semi away site. So mm-hmm. you don't really have to worry too much. If you do that, even if you finish two and three, you're probably still on the right side of the bubble, I would say, just barely. But then you're sweating to, to have to put up a performance in the Big 12 tourney or just pray that the um, that the bracketology guys send you in. So mm-hmm. um, it's close for sure, though. And I, I like that you brought this up because it's it's something that no one's really talking about, I would say. But it's, it's a lot closer than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Last one I have here in this segment. We haven't really talked about UCF on this podcast a lot because they've just 
I don't know. They they haven't really done a ton, and they've they're losing you know? for three straight. So maybe this is you know going to age poorly or bad timing, whatever. But I'm curious what you think. Like they're what are they? They're 69 in Ken Palm, so they've got a ways to go. But is there any path at all, realistically, yeah. other than this team going on some miraculous Big 12 tournament run? Like they're, I feel like they're they're not in at all, and they're not particularly close but i also don't feel like they're as far i mean that's that's tough because they are four and eight in conference but i guess i'll just ask you like is there is there a path uh with the schedule that's coming up what do you think about what do you think (laughs) about them i just wanted to talk about the golden knights yeah no um yeah well we'll show them some love but in that love i would say there's no path unless you win the big 12 tourney uh because they just haven't they their resume non-conference is bad um their resume conference is bad but yeah they are probably better than people think they're 69 in in ken palm and 67 in net so they're not close i would say but um they should have got a foul call on the three in that cincinnati game the other day that would have tied the game and gone to ot Mm -hmm. um i believe they hit all three and they lose the two at byu the other day so they're close to flipping a couple of these games but um yeah, there's no realistic path for for UCF unless they win the Big Twelve tourney, which is not going to happen. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. I just want to. I was just curious because I don't know. They, I guess I didn't look at their. I didn't realize they're four and eight already. Um, yeah, but yeah, they I'm like, showing them some love though. Yeah, they hit they like got, Johnny Dawkins. Yeah, Johnny Dawkins, Jalen Sellers is a super fun guy to watch. He always scores a bunch of yeah. points. But yeah, you're probably right. Um, they're not really close at all. It's going to take a miracle for them to get in. But what if they like, I don't know, just for that, just for the hell of it, if they win out in the regular season, what happens? I mean, if they win out in the regular season, then you're, you're looking at wins against Iowa state and Houston. Um, and then you finish 10 and eight in conference. So I guess if, so then- if, if UCF wins out, then they're a tournament team. I'll give them okay. that. All right. That's what I was that's what, that's all I wanted to do. I, I guess that's the path, yeah. If you if you went out the regular season, you're in. I'll give all it right. to the Golden Knights. All right. I'm gonna be a big UCF fan for the rest of the year. I wanna see it. <laughs> um all right. Well, we uh, we touched on a lot of stuff. Are we good? You think do you wanna take a break and talk TCU? Because there's a lot yeah, to, let's do it. A lot to go over there. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the pod. We're talking TCU basketball. TCU went 2-0 this week. They got wins over West Virginia and Kansas State. We both predicted 2-0 last week, so we can take a little victory lap there. Ball Uh, knowers. Yeah, that's right. Ball knowers on this podcast. Um, it's, It's hard not to jump right into the Kansas State game because that was awesome. But let's start with West Virginia because we'll go chronologically. Um. TCU wins, beats West Virginia 81 to 65. Pretty comfortable. The return of Kerr, uh, Kreisa. What did you think about this game? Is there a lot to yeah. take away from it? Or is this just one that TCU should have won and did win? Yeah, I think it's it's mostly that for the most part. But it was big because you're coming off two losses. And especially that Texas game, a game you feel like you should have won in Texas at home. Um mm-hmm. So you wanted TCU to come out and just take care of business and make sure it, it was a game that you didn't have to stress about, and that's exactly what they did. The biggest part of this game, 
I would say is the change to put Jameer Nelson in the starting lineup, and he was really good. And obviously, talked about Jameer in the Kansas State game too. But I mean, fourteen points, five rebounds, two assists, four blocks, three steals. He was everywhere for him. Um, balanced scoring. You know, Jacoby had eleven off the bench. Trey at four threes. Eman he gets double digits every game. He got fourteen too. Um, just a very well-rounded performance, and obviously. Uh, TCU fans have the history with Kirk Reese's, so it's cool being them. I kind of wish it was a better environment. I know it's West Virginia, so it's West Virginia on a Monday, so it's not going to be like crazy, but um, hopefully there'll be more fans of the, the rest of the year, which I'm sure there will be. But mm-hmm. yeah, just a, um, a super nice game that a game if you are an NCAA tournament team, you should be able to take care of West Virginia at home, and that's exactly what they did, so I, w- I was very satisfied with this effort, and it was good to get back on the right track, especially going into the Kansas State game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to – you talked about Jameer. Um, sneakily, one of his best stat lines of the season, like yeah. obviously that Baylor one's probably the best, but this – when you look at like – when you talk about filling the stat sheet, this is what you see. Like it's he scored 14 points on five of eight shooting – He had, let's see, five rebounds, two assists, three steals, four blocks, like really across the board doing everything for this team. Um, And, he, you know, he was tied leading scorer for TCU along with Trey Tennyson and Emmanuel Miller. Um, I remember last week on this podcast, I said that I'd like to see Jameer and Avery have a, just that duo, that tandem have a good week. And they did. Um, and and that was in large part thanks to Jameer. Two really nice games from Jameer. Yeah, one thing too is uh, I think Avery's been struggling a little bit, so they wanted to kind of flip that switch. Uh, mm-hmm. We asked Jamie about a post game, and he was saying how it would, didn't mean anything. Like they're literally graded about as equal as you could be. So I don't think that change in the lineup was too much of a tell, like anything important, mm-hmm. but. I mean, if anything, it, it seemed like it gave Jameer a little bit of a spark because that was one of the best games he played, I think, and, and well-rounded both defensively and offensively. Uh, we've known about steals and, and blocks for that the whole year, and, and that showed up for the most part. Just having that balanced scoring attack, I think, was great. So, he, yeah, he was probably the, the best bright spot player um, of this game. Trey was coming off a bad shooting performance, too, so it was cool seeing him hit four of eight threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's become one of the best shooters in the country and his stats will back it up. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I don't think anything too crazy to take away from this game. It was just, it was a, it was a well-rounded win against a te- an, an inferior team that you should beat. Yeah. I want to shout out um, Jacoby Coles again, because he was struggling a, a lot. Um, he scored 11 points in that game. Yeah. I think that made it his fourth straight game in double digits after not scoring double digits for yeah like months of time. So it's good to have him back off the bench. Um, you know, that's a really nice piece when he's playing well. So it's good to see that. Yeah. Uh, if you remember too, he had his foot hurt in the Hawaii tournament a little bit. So he was out a little bit there yeah. and he hasn't been the same since he got back. And he was talking about a post game about just being able to, to get your footing under you again and be comfortable on that foot. And that's what he's been doing. He's been super yeah. efficient. Um, I think in that last four four game stress before the Kansas State game, he was like eleven point eight points per game on mm-hmm. eighteen of twenty eight shooting, which is mm-hmm. crazy efficiency off the bench. Yeah. And um, if that Ernest Uda injury from the Kansas State game 
is much more than we would think. The backup center position isn't big, so you could see Jacoby getting more minutes going small at that five position. So yeah. he's going to be massive going forward, and it's, it's cool to see him have uh, kind of a little bounce back in the season there for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's so nice to have another depth piece when he's you know when he's right. So yeah, he's a, he's a really important player on this team. Uh, kind of underratedly and it's nice to see that he's been uh, pretty consistent um, definitely yeah all right let's do it let's talk Kansas State what an awesome let's game this was. Um, I'll start with Micah man because this is the best game yeah you have he's to. played this is one of the best games like we talked about earlier with the guy from Texas Tech that stat line was amazing. This is one of the best stat lines I've seen yeah. in a long time as well. 26 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3. He made 8 of 10 free throws, which is really big for Micah. Um, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks. And it felt like I, I was watching this game with some buddies, and we kept looking at the box score, and it said 3 blocks. And I was like, there's no way. I think he's got like 6. So yeah. I feel like there's a chance he was way more impactful than just the box score says, but what an awesome game from him. Yeah. Um, you, you know, they do like that BTF big tough frogman belt. Like <laughs> that's the epitome of it right there. He hated yeah. all the deflection of the book that and the, um, the Arizona state triple double he had yeah. like yeah. two of the best performances of the year, I would say. And mm -hmm. this game was super ugly at the start. And Micah was the only guy giving that spark uh, it obviously got a lot more free-flowing offense in the second half because I think they're a little mm -hmm. bit of a you know, slow start with that 11 a.m. tip. But, um, yeah, Mike is amazing. And I actually have a take that I think when um, when Micah Peavy is at his best, his ceiling is the highest of anybody in the Frogs, I think. Yeah, he, He's like so that. athletic, and, and when he's on, like, two of three from three, too, and he plays as hard as anybody. I think him and E-Man have such a similar – drive where they're always at a hundred percent at all times both defensively and offensively mm -hmm. and when mike is on this tcu team's tough to beat because obviously the he's going to be there on defense every night but if he's going on offense i mean 26 is crazy a career high for him he was the guy that put this team on their back when they needed it because the second highest score from 26 was the e-man with 10 and nobody else really had a crazy night so um micah for sure he, he was he was the player of this game mm-hmm yeah, I I actually really like that take that you had because I think he's the most versatile guy on the team. I think he like like you said when he is at his best, he can do more than anyone else on the team. Yeah. Um and I think he demonstrated that. He was everywhere, he did everything. Um so I mean he's just such a cool story. He stuck it out at TCU. He's gotten better. Um just really cool. I remember years ago he played against my high school when I was like a sophomore and I remember watching him and uh, I don't know if you remember Jemias Ramsey, but oh yeah, the, the guard. Yeah. They were on Duncanville yeah. together and they're ridiculous. And I was like that Micah Peavy guy is, is tough. And he, yeah, he is. So it's cool to see just how good he's gotten and uh, had a huge game when his team really needed him. No one else besides Emmanuel Miller in double digits and email yeah. only had 10. So really big game from him. I mean, yeah. When Mike is going, uh, like if his offense gets consistent and he's an NBA talent, 
Like mm-hmm. that athleticism jumps off the board when he's dunking and they're throwing a lot. It, he makes it look so easy. He's got the long strides of transition. And um, when he gets steals because of transition, it's, it's, he's as good as it gets in, in that department. And he just fits so perfectly in this frogs team. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool to see his development from really not having an offensive game at all when he first got here and, and Chuck, him having to sit behind Chuck O'Bannon a, a couple of years mm-hmm. um, in the starting lineup. Like it's funny to see how those roles switched and, and yeah. Mike is, Definitely, I would say the number two player on this team on an, mm-hmm. uh, an every night basis. Obviously, yeah. Eman top, but I guess him and Trey, Trey when he's rolling too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Micah, Micah and Eman are your guys that you're going to rely on uh, on an every night basis. They're probably going to play the bulk of the minutes. So yeah, I can go on and on about his performance, but, but that was the performance of the night for sure. Yeah, it felt like they were it felt like that he was TCU's game plan from the beginning. Cause I remember watching and he was really aggressive, more aggressive in terms of like going to the hole. Like uh, a lot of times when he gets the ball, he doesn't look to score first, but I feel like he was yeah. looking to score. He was looking to get to the basket, um, which in, like you said, he was the only one really able to do that. So he kept TCU in this game. He ultimately was the reason they won we'll talk about Jameer's shot, but this is, yeah, you know, this win is on Micah, I would say just because of yeah. how great he was at everything at every single part of the game. So really cool. Before we get into Jameer though, Ernest Duda Jr. Goes down with an injury. Um, I don't know anything about it. I'm wondering if you know anything about it. Have you heard yeah. anything? About what's going uh, on? With- I haven't heard any updates. I've, I've been trying to get updates. Uh, I think it's just an ankle, like a, a sprained ankle. If I would, if I were to say right now, which, you know, depending on how sprained ankles can be a short injury and they, you know, they can be lingering and mm-hmm. it, it just, it sucks for Uday because Uday has been getting so much better every, mm-hmm. every game. Yeah. And he's become such a monumental piece of this team that you want to get him back by posting the play for sure. And it's going to be an Achilles heel because I don't think Xavier Cork or Osama Mustafa at those backup center position have shown anything to make you feel like you can trust them. Uh, mm-hmm. Xavier Corkett, she didn't play bad, especially in that second half on the O boards, but you don't want to have to rely on those guys to be big. And as I said before, you can go a little bit smaller with that Jacoby lineup, but it, it's gut wrenching for this TCU team. And I hope it doesn't keep Uday out too long because that would suck for postseason play. Yeah, man. He was, he was really playing the best ball he's played all year, probably in his career yeah. uh, collegiately. So it sucks to see him go down. Uh, hopefully, it's not too severe. Hopefully we, you know, TCU gets him back for the, for the March run, the yeah. um, down the stretch stuff the rest of the year. We'll see. Um, I guess the good, the good news is that Jamie went and addressed the depth problem at the center position. Cork uh, and Mustafa don't give you all that Uday does, but yeah, Cork played a lot of basketball last year with TCU after, uh, Eddie, you know, Eddie Lampkin, when he yeah. was gone, it, it was kind of all cork and he did a good job. I think he's a capable center and, um, yeah. you know, he protects the rim pretty well. He can rim run all that good stuff. So I feel okay about him and Mustafa off the bench, you know, he'll yeah. he knows exactly what he can give you, but I'm, you know, it's a lot better of a situation than it was last year, which I think is a credit to Jamie addressing a, um, a clear weakness yeah they're both guys that have played a lot of basketball isam yeah. was a, a 
four-year starter at Coastal, I think. And mm-hmm. obviously Xavier's been in the system for, what, three years now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're not exciting players, and they don't jump off the screen in terms of anything close to Uday's athleticism or build. So I don't think you can expect them to be a similar player to Uday. But um, in terms of being a fundamentally sound, solid player, those guys can definitely give you something. And uh, you're going to need to rely on them for the, mm-hmm. these next couple games going up. I'm very interested to see a timetable as soon as possible to, to see yeah. how long it is out. But yeah, I mean, you're going to have to ride with Cork and Esam. And uh, I got hope in them because they played that much basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to the big, the big part now. TCU wins this game 75 to 72. It was 72 all on the final possession. And Jameer Nelson Jr., you know, has hit. That Baylor game, he hit some big shots. This is the biggest shot he's hit at TCU. A massive step back three. Um, really just an incredible shot. Just a really tough yeah. shot. And he drilled it. Yeah. I mean, you got balls to pull that shot. It, yeah. TCU, uh, I was I think I tweeted this too. Like TCU plays some of the most exciting games i would say like every game's close which is something that i i just should note about the west virginia game was like the only conference game that hasn't been mm-hmm. nail biting like it was nice just having like a little comfortable win there mm-hmm. but between Eman's shot against georgetown and jameer's shot here i mean that was the shot of the day in college basketball at lotus late yesterday and um mm-hmm. so nothing was going in that possession he just kind of had to throw it up and jameer's not a three-point shooter but yeah. that was a difficulty 10 out of 10 there like Hash, it, mm-hmm. it's it was huge for this team because this Kansas. I mean, you were they were underdogs. They were uh, one and a half point underdogs in this game. Um, and this is a huge win to get TC off the bubble in a game that they should win. Or I don't want to say should, but an important win that could have gone either way. That uh, you want to have definitely when um, selection Sunday rolls around. So massive shot by Jameer because we know the deal with Tang. He doesn't lose in overtime. So if he doesn't make that shot. Tang, Tang's winning overtime. Yeah. So shot that I don't want to say save the season and makes the season a lot more comfortable when it's gonna matter. Yeah. Um one of the one of my buddies who listens to this, he's a big Kansas fan, so he does not like Kansas State at all. But he texted me after the after that shot. He said K State might be the scariest team in the nation when they're down one to three points with under a minute in regulation left. <laughs> which is so yeah. true because if if they if they get you in overtime, it's over, which yeah, is it's a why win, that, yeah. <laughs> which is why that Jameer shot was so huge. Just a just a ballsy step back deep yeah. three, nothing but net. Awesome shot. It feels like Jamie always has guys who can hit big shots. Yeah. Like Chuck hitting those big shots all the time. E-Man had a game winner earlier. Uh Tennyson just so clutch. Jameer, yeah. all, all that stuff. And you mentioned um how there wasn't a lot going on with that play it reminded me of that Houston game down the stretch when yeah, the, the last Even, play of the game, yeah. it really was nothing going on. I think it was Avery that made a good pass to uh, E-Man who made a good cut and it just went in. Yeah. I think it just goes to show you like DCU has a ton of experience. They have guys who don't panic when, I don't know, things don't look the way they're supposed to. And I think that is important for tournament teams, just guys who understand how to stand or control and play in the clutch moments like that. It's huge. 
Yeah, no, they had 15, 20 seconds there, and they were trying to get an open shot, and literally nothing was working, so Demir just had to throw that up. And one thing that it made me realize is you lose Mike Miles last year, and Jameer's supposed to be his replacement. That's a very Mike Miles shot. A yes. step back three difficulty. Like, those are the ones that he hit that TCU has been missing this year, is the guy that can do the crazy stuff like that. And that was the first time I think um, he's shown, like, signs of being – the Mike Miles replacement. Obviously, he's not because he's uh, such a different player than that. He's his own unique, great player. Yeah. But it, it was it was very similar because that would be something Mike would do and, and, and walk it off like that. So full soaker moment for sure, and it was one of the best moments of the year. Yeah, seven assists for the guy too. So he's doing it yeah. all. Just really cool. Um, Definitely. And, yeah, I'll say, like, this week it was two um, of the – more favorable opponents you can find in the big 12, but you didn't get the best week from Emmanuel Miller. He, he was fine, but he wasn't outstanding. Yeah. And he went two and Oh, and I think that's huge regardless of who you're playing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a really, really nice bounce back for TCU. Hopefully they can um, continue the run a little bit and we'll get into uh, yeah. the preview soon. But first uh, we had an idea to, well, first, let's just talk about how beautiful those TCU jerseys yes. were against K State. The, the or no, was it? It was West Virginia, I guess. It was right? West Virginia, oh, yeah. yeah. The retro frog script yeah. white. So uh, great. I tweeted out that they're the best jerseys in college basketball. Um, so we were talking. I think you texted me. You're like, we got to do a jersey draft for best yeah. jerseys in college basketball. So yeah. yeah, that's what we're here to do. Little Mount Rushmore jerseys, uh, yeah. back and forth oh, draft jersey. here. Yeah, you want to get going? You can have the first pick if you want. You want to? You want to do snake? Snake draft? Sure. So it'd just be like it would be me, and two, then you two. get two, and then I get two. Cool. All right. All right. Well, I guess like I was thinking, that. I was thinking about it. Um, I'm pretty sure the answer here is North Carolina. Um, there's a lot of good jerseys in college basketball, but the, the uh, Carolina blue jersey. I don't know the aura it has a great aura, the Michael Jordan stuff. You can't, you know, you can't look at that and not think just uh, of all the history they have in that Jersey. Just one of those classic jerseys that I love great colors, all that good stuff. So that's my number one pick. I'm taking Carolina. Yeah. That was my one, one too. There's nothing like Carolina blue. Like, mm. I mean, being able to wear that around, it's the best color ever. And speaking mm. of that, um, my one two is UCLA, same yeah. type of thing. Uh, another blue blood program that's just unique. They got the baby blue, the yellow goes so great with it. Mm-hmm. It's just iconic and pretty at the same time. And when you have the mix of, because I think some people think some juries are great specifically just because they're so iconic, like a mm-hmm. Kansas or a Duke, but UCLA's and North Carolina for that is they have the right mix of being sick and iconic so that's who i'm gonna take for the two and then in the snake around i'm gonna go with the indiana hoosiers um dang it iconic in the warm-up stripe pants i think are the coolest warm-ups in college uh it's just iconic i said iconic so many times in the past like 10 or a minute here <laughs> but um yeah they're they're sick indiana is one of the best programs in, in college basketball and they're they're mm. so clean dang I was really that was that those are probably my favorite actually my favorite jerseys uh in college basketball, the Indiana 
just the simple Hoosiers, whatever. But I I had to take UNC first, and I was hoping it would make it back to me, but good pick there. All right, so now I get two, I guess. Yeah. All right. I okay, I love the um so the Kentucky checkerboard uh jerseys, you know what I'm talking about? The ones yeah. have the checkerboard on the side. I love those. Those are that's my pick here. I guess if we're just talking overall, like Kentucky does have good jerseys all around. I think they they're old jerseys I like a lot too. Um another one of those just classic as you say, iconic looking jerseys that um, like you look at, I look at those checkerboard jerseys and I just think of some of those games, some of those March Madness games with like Malik Monk or Shea or yeah, just a lot Every of really team, fun yeah. players. Yeah. Really a lot of fun players there. So that's my second pick. Um, man, this one might be a little bit, uh, Okay, I'll go I'll go here first. I'll go um I like the Georgetown jerseys. Uh, unfortunately they, they aren't That's good anymore because, so it's it's harder to I don't know, it's harder to appreciate, but I think they have really just simple classic jerseys, you know, like the Iverson jersey is pretty iconic. All yeah. those I don't know, I just like it. I like the I like the Hoyas um across the chest. I I um so yeah, that's my pick. Those are my two. I'm gonna take yeah. Kentucky Georgetown. Those are clean. I mean Ewing and even AI, as yep. you said, those are yeah. those are sick. Um yeah. I'm gonna go the Tennessee Volunteers here. Uh, a yep. little switch up. I, I like that creamsicle color. I know some people love it, some people don't like it as much, but I think it's a cool you know, the program's been you know, Rick Barnes has done a good job with their program, made it classic, I would say at this point, mm-hmm. where it's it's a it's a cool color that just kind of pops out the screen. I think it's it's pretty in that manner. And this is a this is for my last pick, super homer pick, bias as hell. But I'm gonna go with the frogs. Do it. Yeah. I I, I love all the alternates. Uh, the purple and white is one of the cleanest color combos in the nation, and especially the recent addition with the red stripe on the side. If you don't add any history behind it. Um, I legitimately think they're like a top five jersey in America. Um, mm-hmm. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the frogs there. Okay, I like that. I like that. All right. So I have two, I guess I have two picks left. Yeah, you. I think you might have one actually. If we're doing top one four. Oh, yeah. one. Pick. Okay. Because you went. Yeah. Kentucky, right. Carolina, right. and yeah. Oh shoot! I gotta think here. I think I was going to go with – I'll do – can I just do an honorable mention then after? Yeah, yeah, we can after just like rattle off a couple. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, I'm going to take – I'm going to take Texas. They have – Um. first of all, I love the burn orange. It might be unpopular take on, on this podcast, but I love the burn, burn orange. Another yeah. kind of just classic-looking uniform they have like a they have a script one that they wear sometimes it's just texas across the front which i think is awesome um so yeah maybe maybe not a popular choice among the tcu listeners but i i think they're just just about as iconic as just like yeah this this extends farther than basketball um just their brand that texas burn orange brand i just love i think yeah 
it's the biggest brand in college sports so it's yeah. it's definitely I, I like the burn orange too i think it's it is a super clean look and it's minimal yeah. enough where it's great and the, you know the yeah. logo so yeah so they don't have to do too. anything they don't have to do anything special they're one of the ones yeah. that have their color scheme have their logo whatever and it's just it's perfect so yeah go in there all right so those are the list what did you have yeah. i had i had ucla indiana tcu tennessee mm-hmm I had, had I had UNC, Kentucky, Georgetown, Texas. Yeah. I mean you can't wanna, go wrong with anyone there. Yeah. Those are just all those are all good ones. One of the ones I I was torn between that Texas one and um that Marquette like baby blue. Yeah. Marquette you know that, you know that one? there, yeah. Yeah. With a little bit I of the yellow too. One. Yeah, the yellow. Yeah. Marquette has great colors, great jerseys. Yeah. It was tough to leave them out honestly one thing i was thinking of too is um when k-state rocks the light purple yeah I think that's clean yeah. yeah i like again with the texas thing that it's i don't want to like it but um i mean those are clean i they should make them their primary color because that lavender mm-hmm. is is cool villanova i was thinking too um villanova yep. has some, has some jerseys. great jerseys that are so noticeable over the years winning natties and stuff and jay Wright and all that kind of stuff yeah. Loyal Chicago, I've always liked too. Um, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, the crimson and yellow and uh, script there is always clean. The Ramblers, so mm-hmm. I mean, you can go on and on naming jerseys because there's so many in college basketball, which is what makes it so fun. But those are just a couple yeah. I had in mind. The other, uh, the other one that I like, and then we can move on. I like the uh, Wichita State. I think. Oh cool yes, well. the shocker. The logo sick too. Um, shoot. All right, shall we move on or? Yeah. Any more? I like that mentions? segment though. Yeah, I that mean, was fun. Yeah, you could probably go on and on with. I mean, there's so many great jerseys, and mm-hmm. I think we named a lot of them off the top. Uh, I get I named too like some people love Kent Duke is an iconic jersey, mm-hmm. iconic again, but just classic Kansas classic. All the blue bloods for the most yeah. part are just clean classic because they don't have to do too much mm-hmm. so you can go on and on i mean yeah there's so many great jerseys yeah yeah well i guess let us know let us know which mount rushmore of jerseys you like more we'll yeah see. we'll see what the public thinks all right let's talk about the t- the two tcu games uh this week they played texas let's tech and cincinnati um We'll talk, we'll do like predictions later, but to start, I guess, let's go with Texas Tech here at Texas Tech. This is a tough game. I assume there'll be underdogs here. Um, yeah, I think for so, sure. Yeah, what do you think about this game? Yeah, uh, tough game. Uh, one thing off the bat that I'll note is that Warren Washington was out. Uh, their starting center was mm-hmm. out last game against, God, who do they play? They lost to Iowa oh, they, they, they went to Iowa State yeah so if Warren Washington is out and obviously Ernest Udo probably out too it's going to be interesting uh, the big man matchup too what's mm-hmm. nice about playing Tech and um and Cincinnati is that you've played these teams before so you know mm-hmm. exactly what works against them and what doesn't and in the case against Tech you've already beat them mm-hmm. the big thing against Tech is um I think the the, the player to notice Pop Isaacs because he is 
the main their offense goes through him just plain and simple he's the one that takes the most of the shots he's used on 30 percent of the possessions which i think is first in the big 12 um in terms of like he's the bet the biggest go-to guy on any offense in the big 12 you got to be able to stop him i would put pv on him i think that's what they did in the first game in fort worth where they got the win over them Mm -hmm. um yeah, but Joe Toussaint can kill you. Darren Williams, as we said, didn't miss a shot against Kansas, so he's big one. But the if Uday's out and Warren Washington, two X factors, and it's Tech's home court advantage is number one ranked on Ken Pump, so that's going to mm-hmm. be a super tough place to play. And yeah. um, I don't know if you can ex- expect a win here for TCU. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, definitely can't expect you. You can't expect yeah. to just walk into Lubbock and win, but it's winnable. It's winnable. It's yeah, certainly winnable. I think Texas Tech will be favored um, because, you, like you said, that really, really good home court advantage they have, I, I assume it's going to be really rocking. Texas Tech fans, I heard, aren't too fond of TCU. So. <laughs> I don't uh, think so, no. <laughs> um, all right, so that one is is uh, a tough game, but it's one of those games that, like, especially if you're trying to go on a run here before you get into, like, the tournament stuff, uh, this is one of the ones you, sh- you, I mean, this would be a really nice win going to Lubbock and beating Texas tech. This is also the start of a really, really difficult slate for TCU. They get Texas tech, Cincinnati, Baylor, BYU. It ends favorably with West Virginia and UCF, but the next four games are all really yeah. tough. So you're going to have to win some that are, you know, maybe you're not supposed to win. Um, yeah. But yeah, winnable game. I'm interested to see about Warren Washington because obviously that would be a big deal uh, with Uday likely being out. Um, yeah. Pop Isaacs, you mentioned, um, always very dangerous. He played really well against TCU the last time these two teams saw each other. And then Darian Williams, a guy we, we talked about earlier, um, who scored 30 and was perfect and all that. He had 12 in the game against Iowa State. So obviously not as huge, but still a guy obviously that can go off and cause you a lot of problems on great efficiency. So they have a lot of talent and they have a great coach, huge Grant McCaslin guy over here. So yeah, um, they're good and it'll be a good, I think it'll be a good game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do think Warren Washington being out hurts them probably more than Uday being out for us, but yeah. Uh, again, two big losses if, if that's what it is. And I think it's one that could go either way. Yeah, Tech, Tech probably has the edge, but I wouldn't say it's it's one of those things like going to Iowa State or going to Houston or mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you want to throw Kansas in there. But, yeah, it's they're both middle-pack teams, and this would be a big one to swing TCU to, you know, they're only a couple games back from first place in the Big 12 if they uh, string a couple, a, couple, a couple wins that they're not supposed to get. And, Yes, their schedule's tough coming up, but none of there's not a game like at Iowa State or at Houston or even like an at Kansas where it's that tough where none of them are only oh, you can chalk this up with a loss for sure. So it's yeah. gonna be a super interesting game, rivalry game, like yeah. you said. We went yeah. in there and won last year too, so mm-hmm. um very winnable. Yeah. Um all right, Cincinnati. TCU lost to Cincinnati earlier in the year um on the road. They get him at home this time on Saturday. Um we, we talked about Cincinnati. They're still probably right outside the bubble. They're really looking to string together a couple wins. A win at TCU would be huge for them. Um, 
I, I would say probably a win for them at TCU would be a bigger deal than TCU beating Cincinnati at home. Um, yeah. I think, but obviously both teams are going to want to win. It's getting down to that crunch time area where we're creeping into March yeah. now and every game is a game you want to win. So yeah, I think uh, TCU is going to want to get some revenge. This game ended really poorly last time it played for TCU. This was a very, very winnable game that TCU somehow let get away from them. So um, I'm sure they're going to remember that. Yeah. I mean, TCU was like, if you remember, like the Uday missed free throws late in the game. And mm-hmm. um, just Cincinnati got a lot of good breaks their way, I would say, in that last game. And it's one of those weird Tuesday games earlier in conference year that mm-hmm. didn't really make much sense. But um, yeah. since he got the OT win, Day Day Thomas and John Newman both had 20 in that game, if you remember. And they're both not those crazy type of players. So I think. It's going to be big, uh, you know, Micah, Jameer, and Avery, and even Trey to, to defend those guards bigger because they were able to have success against them. Um, mm-hmm. I'm excited for the crowd, you know, late February, Saturday home game. It's, you know, there's only three more home games left in the year, so they should all be rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun when TCU should win this game. And yeah. Um, I, yeah, well, we'll get to predictions in a second. But mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what I would preview it. Yeah. Yeah. So TCU now has won two in a row. Before that, they lost two in a row. Um, Before that, they won three in a row. So they're kind of streaky teams. You want them to continue this uh, stretch that they're on. They beat West Virginia and Kansas. Obviously, we talked about that. Two teams that they should beat. Now their opponents are a bit tougher, still very winnable. Um, So a really, really big week for TCU coming up. For sure. Yeah, for sure. You want to start the um, prediction now? Yeah, before we go, let's you do some it. predictions. I am going to – I really want to go 2-0 and because I think they can go 2-0 and very easily, but I think I'm going to go 1-1 one and one because the game at Texas Tech is going to be a difficult game, a great atmosphere, I, I would think. And um, I think that is – I think they could win and they could lose either of these games, but I'm going to go 1-1. One and one just to be safe here i think yeah i agree I, we probably agree too much on these predictions but um i mean we've been on fire recently predicting the yeah. loss of iowa state and the couple yeah. wins so i'm gonna i'm gonna ride with you i i yeah. think tech's gonna be pissed off about the them losing to us mm-hmm. um yeah that environment's gonna be sick you mentioned tech hates tcu and mm-hmm. tcu's coming off um big up and tech's coming off a loss so we, we might be in there a little slow on a tuesday and um come up a little short there again yeah. very winnable and i think i think we beat cincinnati at home um it's I think so. it seems pretty failable i don't want to say it's like an easy game because cincinnati's a very good team and they beat us early in the year so i think it'll be i think both will be close games but i think um you split with the loss against taking a win against cincinnati yeah i don't think i don't think you're getting swept by cincinnati so i think that's probably the win and if there is a loss it's probably texas tech that, that'll be a tough game but again both yeah. winnable um yeah and both losable is the yeah. thing. So we got to be careful. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're, we're both going one and one. Yeah, we're both hoping for two and zero, oh, but we'll see what happens. The win against or the win against Kansas State too is so big because right now you're yeah. at seven and five, and if mm-hmm. uh, Ken Palm predicts us to finish the season three and three with our next six games, and if you do mm-hmm. that ten and eight in the conference, you're 
you're probably sitting pretty with a 10 and eight conference in the big 12 as being pretty safe in that, in that tournament. So yeah, uh, TCU's sure. put themselves in a position where they, they um, handle their own, their own path and it's, yep. it's a good position to be in for sure. So I'm excited for this week. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, next up on the podcast, don't go anywhere. We've got a really, yes. really cool, really fun interview with Alex Robinson, a yes. legendary TCU player, a legendary TCU point guard. And he was really, it was a great conversation learning about how he got to TCU, you know, what it was like at first when TCU was recruiting him. There's f- some funny stories about his visits. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, all the NIT runs, Desmond Bain, Ken- Kendrick Williams. He talks a lot about like the TCU Mount Rushmore, which was cool to hear his perspective on that. So I would just say stick around. It's a really cool interview. Yeah. Just want to say thanks to A-Rob again for coming on. Uh, mm-hmm. It's cool to be able like, we've been so fortunate to be able to get such cool guests for, for TCU hoops the past, I don't know, throughout the season pretty much. And it's, it's picked up recently too. So um, it's cool to have another friend of the pod, A-Rob coming on board. And yeah, uh, I don't, I don't want to say like, it's one of the best interviews we've done for sure. And I think they just keep getting better and better. So yeah, awesome pod and definitely stick around for that. It'll be one TCU fans will want to hear. Yeah, for sure. If you're like a TCU fan, basketball nerd and you you love all that the history uh so is alex robinson he loves it too so it's it was yeah. super cool to, to talk to him about that but uh yeah i guess we'll take a break and uh next time you hear from us we'll be talking to alex robinson let's kick it there All right, now on Frog Fever, we have a very special guest. We have the all-time leading assist leader in TCU basketball history with 672. Also, all Big 12 third team in 2019, one of the best guards and players in all of TCU basketball history, Alex Robinson. So, Alex, we thank you for coming on. Um, We know it's tough in your schedule, but we appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Yeah, of course. This is awesome. This is so cool for us. Thanks, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so to get right into it, we kind of want to start with the the start of your recruiting journey. Obviously, you're a big-time four-star with a lot of offers from lots of different types of schools. Why did you choose Texas A&M at first? Uh, I didn't want to leave Texas. And and to be honest with y'all, TCU was uh, the only reason I didn't go to TCU because at the time, they didn't even have a stadium. They didn't have a locker room. They didn't have anything. And so when I went on my visit, like they wouldn't show me anything. And I was like, that's what the practice gym looks like, guys. I want to see the rest of the stuff. <laughs> and so, uh, so I took a couple more trips, places, some places. And um, uh, I went to AM and they had their lockers, had, you know, you could watch TV. It's the first time I ever seen Synergy, so I could watch my own. I could watch anybody's highlights. I could watch as many. You know, it was the first time I ever even heard of the program before. So I was like, man, this is like, like this is like a win-win situation. Uh, I mean, the, the, the facilities. I knew a lot of the assistant coaches over there at the time, um, and so I, for me, it just made sense. You know, I could stay stay in Texas. My family could see me. Uh, you're on a big stage. Uh, and, and I was playing with with some other guys, some other great players, you know. So that's that's kind of what kind of led to my decision. I didn't really, I didn't want to leave the state at all. So it was kind of out of TCU and Texas A&M. But 
but I wasn't a huge fan of Baylor, so I, I couldn't. Uh, but I they, like that. I think they had. I think at the time they had. Uh, I think they had either Xboxes or they were PS3s. It was one of the two in every single locker, and then they had a. Um, they had a big flat screen when you sat down and took a poop, and I was like, "Oh, that's." <laughs> That would be nice. That would get me over there too. So damn. <laughs> so y'all see, y'all see all the, you know, when I'm weighing out the, the positives, and negatives. I'm like, oh, man, like, these two schools here, and then TCU is like, hey, we play at the will, you know, where you play high school games at. <laughs> so I see where you're coming from. from. <laughs> and then, and I really like Florida State as well. That was the one out of state school uh, that I really, really liked, and. Uh, when I was about to go on my official visit, there's a guy named Josh Gray who was a number one JUCO player in the country, and he was dropping ridiculous numbers at the time. And he, like this uh, bottom of the ticker, I'm like chopping it up with my pops, and then I see, I see uh, uh, Josh Gray commits to Florida State, and I was like, the head coach was here yesterday, like at the crib, like what's going on, and. Uh, then, then so I, I was like, man, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead, and go to A and M. So I went to A and M, and as soon as I committed, it said another ticker came across the screen. It said Josh Gray commits to LSU. How did he commit twice? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, but that you know that, that's why, and I don't regret the decision all at all. I loved, I loved going to A and M my freshman year for sure. So, so what is it? Obviously, your mom played at TCU, um, but what was it that brought you back to TCU and Jamie Dixon um, eventually? Uh, uh, so I was I was involved in in something that was um, uh, that kind of affected my personal life at A and M. Kind of, I didn't leave A and M for for basketball purposes, and I just kind of wanted to be by my family. So. Uh, I was like, man, and, and Rutgers was on me hard with uh, when they had the you know former NBA coach Eddie Jordan, and that was hard for me to turn down because the role that they were promising me and, and the things they were going to probably allow me to do. Uh, but uh, you know, for me, it's like proof in the pudding. At the time, Coach Johnson was letting Ken just rock out like he could do what he could do no wrong. He was just he was letting it fly. He could do whatever he wanted to do. And, and so for me, I was like, man, I'm, I'm just go back to the crib, you know, and, and, and coach Johnson just kept preaching to me like, Hey man, if I had, if I had, uh, and the funny thing is, I don't think anybody noticed that he might get upset if I, if I tell you all this, but oh well. So he, so he was like, he called me up one after I committed to A&M and was like, oh, man, you made the wrong, you should have came here, you know, da, 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 da. he was the only coach that did that. So I was like, oh man. He was really rocking with me. And so I was like, all right, you know, things don't go right, then for sure I'm gonna consider TCU. And so that's ultimately ultimately kind of what led me to uh pick them over Rutgers because how how much he cared that I didn't go to TCU. <laughs> and uh one of his big things was he's like, Man, like like I got Ken and then I got K Rich. K Rich goes down with the injury. And then he said, if I can get everybody at one time, we'll be set. I keep getting these really good players. And so I was like, yeah, that's probably my fault. But you guys didn't have a locker room. So, I, you know, you can't really blame me. Uh, but that's what led me to come to TCU after uh, just kind of how he responded to me not committing here the first time. I was like, yeah, I got it. You know, 
he gonna show love. That's, that's a cool story. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what led me back to TCU, and then ultimately, uh, you know, we got the new stadium and all that. And at that point, I didn't even care. I didn't care if they had a stadium. Uh, but we ended up getting that new finished stadium finished that same year. And well, they might have been in it my freshman year. Well, they had just got in it my freshman year, and uh, then Jamie ended up coming. And I even took a trip to to visit Jamie in Pittsburgh, and he kind of ruined the Fourth of July for me because the, the, the Fourth of July fireworks were so amazing in Pittsburgh. I go, somebody's like, "Oh man, the Fourth fireworks are so awesome!" I go out there, I'm like, hey, "What is that?" <laughs> and so he, I tell him all the time, like, "You ruined it for me, man, because it was so good." I, if you guys never seen the Fourth of July in Pittsburgh, man, it's awesome. It's, it's unreal. And, I got to try it out. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, man. I would say Jamie had it hooked up. We were in the in the, in the uh, Steelers stadium with high and stuff. It was cool, but bad eyes like man. I, I tell him to say, "Man, you ruined Fourth of July for me." I feel like I do something special every Fourth of July because so. <laughs> yeah, he's a hell of a recruiter. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about that 2017 season. So it was your first season playing with the Frogs, and obviously you guys won the NIT. One of the coolest moments in TCU basketball history, I'd say. Were you hyped because you, because NIT is obviously a weird feeling. Like, were you hyped because you won the NIT or were you more pissed off or like a weird feeling that you didn't make the NCAA tourney? It was it was kind of a mix of both. Uh, I was really hyped. Like, I kind of have, I might have a little bit more school spirit than most guys that probably come and play in athletics. Just because of my, you know, I'm from Fort Worth. My family's from Fort Worth. I went to all the camps when I was little. I was at camps when Santee was playing. And uh, you guys still there? Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cool. So for, for me, it was, it was, I was, a part of me was super happy that, I mean, it was our first postseason championship in, in, in program history. And, so that was just like, man, like, like we're part of history now. Like, this is crazy. Like we won this thing, and then another part was 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 kind of upset that we didn't get into the tournament that year. Uh, and and I, it felt like it was less resume based and more of just a lack of respect as a program. Because um, we felt I felt like we beat really good teams. We ended up beating Kansas that year, and they were number one. And and we lost to Iowa State in the Big 12 tournament. And I think we beat Iowa State twice that year. Uh, and, they, and I think that was a, probably the one. And they said we needed to get at least 20 wins in the season. And I think we had that uh, going into the NIT uh, tournament. So, I was, you know, we, we, we were kind of upset. But at the same time, since we had never won anything as a program, we were excited to go and prove to everybody that we deserved to be in the tournament. And I mean, I think I think it's still the record for the largest margin of victory in NIT history. I think we proved that. Um, and then, then it was really cool to see, you know, Brandon's little brother get in the game and do a windmill dunk. I remember that. That was awesome. That was crazy. Like that was so awesome. We really put a, you know, made our mark. And uh, and then and our, you know, our uh, the support TCU has and everything and. and Everything the athletic program did for us, they put they put us on all the jumbotrons and and screens in Manhattan. Like this is stuff like you just dream about as a kid. And TCU was able to provide that for us. So for me, yeah, a little bit was like, man, you know, we got the dub. We proved to everybody that we should have been there. And then the other part of me was like, we finally got a trophy in that case. So mm -hmm. uh, it was it was mixed emotions, but majority of it was just happy that. 
we finally got something we could put up there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I remember that windmill dunk so well. That was awesome. That was such oh, a great. moment. And he's such a humble dude. He's like, oh, man, that was all y'all. I'm like, bro, you don't understand. That moment right there really said it all. Like, that was awesome. Nobody expecting that. You came in and just. Yeah. Full windmill, too. It wasn't no yeah. little baby windmill. He extended that thing. I was like, yeah. oh, my. <laughs> it was really cool, man. You don't really get to share moments like that with your brother. So that was, that was, that was dope. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, 2018, you guys are the six, a sixth seed in the tournament. Um, it was the highest tournament seed for TCU since 1998, I believe. Um, it ended up being a loss in the first round, but what was that season like? And and what, how how cool is it being a six seed and bring uh, the program back to the NCAA tournament? I mean, man, that that was really cool too, especially because we thought we should have been in it the year before. So mm -hmm. for us to get there, kind of prove to everybody that yeah, we you know we deserve to be there. That that was big for us. Um, um, and then and once we were there, you know, maybe the lack of experience got us. Also, we were going against another Hall of Fame coach who, uh, you know, who who knows. I mean, Dixon and him know each other very, very well. And I think he mentored or, or uh, uh, you know, helped Dixon out along the way in his past. So they were very familiar with each other. So I'm sure there was a little rivalry going on between those two. And uh, we they had really good players too. I think there's like three guys on their team that ended up going uh, uh, to the NBA. And man, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, we were very confident that year too. We felt like if we beat them, that we we would we would do well and, and beat Michigan State. And uh, Syracuse stole that from us. They ended up beating us, and then they beat Michigan State, and they went to the Sweet 16. We were like, dang, you know, should have been us, you know. So, but you know, and like I said, lack of experience might have played a role. Um, uh, I don't think the lights were too bright. Uh, there was there's no there was no other team in the Big Twelve that kind of gave us that that two three look. Mm -hmm. So um, I think Baylor ran two three a little bit that year, uh, but we just I mean we I, mean, I think we were the number one three point shooting team in the country that year. So nobody really wanted to take the risk of really playing us two three that long, and they were they were super solid in that two three. And honestly, I think I think it was just if we played them 10, 10 times, we'd probably win nine out of ten times. Uh, but just that night, man, we just couldn't hit shots. Mm -hmm. we, we just couldn't hit shots. So, but the whole experience was super dope. I've never experienced anything like that. They showed us a lot of love, and just like the NIT TCU had us like set up to, man, you just felt like a, a rock star. So, yeah, it was it was dope to me. That's sick. In 2019, you specifically too had a had a sick year where um you became TCU's all time assist leader and you know one of the best point guards in Big Twelve. I think you're fourth in Big Twelve assists all time since like '93 or something like that. Um, how did you know that you were gonna be such a good passer and take pride in that? And how did it feel knowing you were a part of TCU history? Man, honestly, man, <laughs> when I when I was being recruited, um. Uh, I felt like I uh, I was more considered a combo guy, scorer. And when I first got to TCU, uh, a lot of our sets and stuff, they you know automatically kind of put me at the two guard. And I was, uh, you know, I had to develop those habits. Uh, but I was so good at getting the lane and finishing, and I was athletic enough where um, my game was obviously I'm nowhere near Kyrie Irving, but. Uh, 
I would use that type of explosion or not to dunk, just kind of get hang time and be able to finish. Uh, maybe I should have dunked a couple of those. I think I got one. I think I got one nice one versus Baylor. I should have got. I should have did a lot of those, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so with with just being able to to get in the lane and and just taking my knowledge from what I've learned from the great coaches that I you know kind of played under, like Stansberry, and uh, there's just things that they would teach me you know, what to look at. Like if I get in the paint, I just started figuring out things like every time I go up, this guy steps up. So instead of shooting the ball now, I want to be able to prove my value as a point guard. Cause I'm, there's no guys in the NBA that's six foot playing too. So I was like, man, and, and this was just kind of like my narrow thinking being so young and, and not having a mentor and stuff at the time. I was like, man, I got to figure out a way to be considered uh, you know, a point guard, a good point guard. So instead of shooting those shots, I learned, I just started dropping the ball off. I'd start finding ways. And the only reason I, I tell people is the only reason I feel like I was such a good passer is because a lot of those times I probably could have scored that basket and I would, you know, wait a half a second for the defender to fully get over there and then I kick it. Um, so it's just like it's just like things like that, and you you see or like a couple early games that we had, uh, my sophomore year, I would go on quick like scoring spurts, things like that, and and for me it was really hard to figure out how to put it all together to score and assist like do it all at the same time, and like I said, uh, I was trying to figure it out all on my own. So I I just was like, man, I'm just gonna be a fucking great passer. That's what I'm gonna be. And so that's that's kind of what started it, man. And and then I look up, and they're like, "Hey, you're like fifth. You're about to pass Jamie Dixon for assists." And I'm like, <laughs> "Crazy." And then we play Iowa State. I think Jalen had got hurt in the next game. I had my opportunity to start, and I mean, I look up, and somebody's like, "Hey, look, you get one more assist, you have the school record." I'm like, "What?" I was like, oh, hey, Vlad, come here, man. <laughs> Pick a roll, lay up, lay up. Don't pass it. I don't care. Don't pass it, lay up. <laughs> so, and I think he actually gave me that 17th assist. And then uh, I don't know if it was Cambridge or, or Chris Washburn, but somebody was like, hey, you got eight points. You got to go get a layup. Double, 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 double. <laughs> I smoked the layup. I was so happy. Damn. I, I was excited, man. I was like, man, I'm going to have 10 and 17. Like, this is going to be crazy. And I smoked the layup. Legit. Like, it was an open layup. And I did. <laughs> in the game. And, uh, and so then I then, then I look up and, and you know, now they're like, hey, you know, you're about to tie Santee. And I'm like, what the f*** is that? So uh, <laughs> it, it, it was surreal for me. But it, it like I said, I, I didn't expect it, especially not – you know, only being there for three years um, and uh, to even be top five in the Big 12 is crazy because there's a lot of good point guards that played there four years and some some of them four and a half, five. So for me to be even even close to number one is crazy. And then it makes me think, damn, maybe I should have just said, man, you know, forget that they don't have locker rooms. Just, <laughs> just go to TC. <laughs> What if it is four years? You know, I was like, <laughs> like, as soon as I broke the record, I was like, man, 
what if I if you think about it, there's four out there. I'd be no one in the Big Twelve, you know. Yeah. Coming through, but man, it was it was just crazy. I couldn't believe I broke it to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you were also so you were a teammate of Desmond Bain. I think his first three years in college was there a point in time. Um, that you realized that he was going to be really good or had a chance to be really good? Yeah. Uh, his After his freshman year, sophomore year, we were, it was like sophomore so – his sophomore summer for my junior year. Um, uh, I was – he – we were at open gym. Or we did something. I don't know what it was. I can't remember, actually remember the day that he was like, hey, man. He's like, he's like, hey, dog, you a pro. I said, what? Said, nah, you the pro. <laughs> 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 and it's just you know I'm, I'm i feel like i'm pretty realistic like i said i'm i'm thinking man i'm six foot like yeah i really gotta make an impact but for him he just his work ethic you could just see it like he he invited everybody to come to the gym and he was always in there and he never was like ah oh, no nah, i ain't working it was, and the best thing was his his his, his humbleness and his, his humility man he, he didn't care if 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 you walked in and he was working on his left hand, he didn't care if you knew he had a bad left hand. Like he was in there working. And then next thing you know, you blink and now he could do the same thing with his left that he can't do with his right. And I think that's kind of the big thing that a lot of guys, you know, kind of have to get over is the pride aspect of it. He had no pride. He was just trying to get better and just lived in the gym. And so when you kind of see those traits out of somebody and his demeanor and mentality and stuff, like, like, oh yeah. So, so going into that season, when he was hot, I'm like, dude, it's coming to you every time. I don't care. I'm just trying to win the game. I don't care. Nobody say, all right, so and so don't want to shoot shots. Cool. It's going to you because I know you gonna shoot it. So, uh, <laughs> but for real, man. And, and uh, so that's kind of you know, uh, it, like I said, you could just kind of see with guys. I was. I was pretty surprised Vlad didn't get the opportunities, but he's man, he he's doing great. He played Euro League for a while. And honestly, I think he's still in the Euro League. Uh, but I had a lot of great players around me, man. I arguably, if you include Vlad, I had three NBA guys around me. So my job wasn't too difficult. And 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 maybe if 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 Fisher doesn't uh go down with a few injuries, maybe four NBA. So yeah. you know, yeah. my job was too difficult. Speaking of Dubane and guys that you played against, you gave out your TCU Mount Rushmore on Twitter the other way, and it was mm-hmm. Kurt Thomas, Dubane, Lee Nalon, and uh, Corey Santee. Can mm-hmm. you elaborate on that, and why would you leave guys like your teammate Kay Richoff, who got his jersey inducted in the Hall of Fame the other day? Oh, and for yourself. sure. No, that's that's my dog, but uh, you know it. It's just I, you know me. I'm I'm I'm. I like to call myself a realist and you just got to look up the numbers, man. Like Santee second in assists, second in points. That's unreal. That's unreal. He was number one until I broke it, but he was second all time in points and assists. He had, he, he could do everything. There's nobody on that list. Anybody else put on there that has, that, that's done that. Right. And so, and then you have like Lee Naline. Lee Naline was here he had the same route that K. Rich had, and and Lee, I think at Lee averaged twenty five and ten. That's unreal, mm-hmm. unreal. 
for him to be able to do that, come off the and he, and if you've seen Lee Nalon play, he was a dog. He he was he didn't care who you were, he didn't care what your status, your accolades was. He was coming at your neck. And then, I mean, Kurt Thomas just kind of speaks for himself, and Devang has the most threes in, in TCU history, I believe. And, and, and I mean, he, his last year kind of solidified that Mount Rushmore for me. I think uh, and he he just. He just took over the, the whole Big Twelve. He was to me. He probably if if we win a few more games, which is his fault necessarily. He's probably leading for Big Twelve Player of the Year that year. If yeah. you know, yeah, probably a little bit better team around him. So that's kind of why I I put them for as my Mount Rushmore. Just and their accolades are just is just crazy, you know. And I don't think Lee gets the recognition that he probably deserves. I don't think Santee gets the recognition that. You know he deserves from possibly you know the TCU fans and stuff, but what them two did, I know it was a, I know it was a while back, but I man, it's just unreal. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know I would want to guard Santee. Like, what do you what do you tell you? Like, hey, look, he can shoot and pass. Else, what do I do? Good you know, luck. Yeah, like, and there's a game, and I don't think, and this is the thing that, like, and I can say. Like I said, they're, they're, I've seen K. Rich. Re- I mean, sh- I think one game he had 18 rebounds versus UNLV, and I was like, like in the game, it felt like he grabbed every rebound. So I was like, bro, how many rebounds this guy got? And like 17. What the fuck? 17. <laughs> That's unreal. So he, it's man, like you like, and assist. <laughs> right. I was like, bro, this, and the fact that he he was doing that as like a three four and not a five and all that. Yeah, and and like I remember somebody saying like, "Man, he's not that athletic, is he?" I was like, "We ain't seen him jump for them rebounds. He's athletic, he's just smart. He know how to use. He knows when to use it. Yeah. Ain't nobody getting that rebound over him." Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, there was just games that Lee had forty-five points, fifty points. You know how hard it is to score fifty and forty-five in a college basketball game, and he did it twice. Like. In the same season, unreal. So that's why I have Lee, Santee, D. Bang, and Kurt in my uh, Mount Rushmore. But uh, like I said, K. Rich could and he could interchange with any of them. I wouldn't be upset if K. Rich was in somebody's Mount Rushmore for sure. Like mm-hmm. I said, that's dog. So, uh, but you know, I just got I got to give respect to those guys. Who, I mean, I haven't seen anybody at TCU score anywhere near forty five. Mm-hmm. And once they get to forty five. I mean, he scored 52, so mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> half of 100. Team scored 50 <laughs> points total this yeah. day. You know, I, yeah. I think we scored 51 games. That, that was, that's why I, I picked them for. Yeah. Um, this is a similar question, but I'm curious if you can tell us, like, your TC, all-time TCU starting five, like, one through five with, like, positions and stuff. Oh, man. That's You can put yourself on there, too. I can't do that, man. I got, I go, I go, I go. Santee point guard for sure. Then I gotta go D Bane at two. Then I gotta go K Rich at the three. Then I gotta go Lee Navine at the four. And then at the five, I'm gonna go. Oh, I got. I guess I gotta go Kurt because Kurt's in my Mount Rushmore. If I if I can, yeah, my, yeah you can move. And you know what's crazy is K. Rich and D. Bain played on the same team, mm-hmm. and then you got you got 
Lee Nayline and Kurt Thomas play on the same team. Yeah, wow. They got the team Kim. I see what you're Man, doing. Team. Hey, we got. Hey, I I guarantee you, we if, if we could if we could do that, we win national championship hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Are you coming off? Are you at least coming off the bench there, the six man? I would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. But you know, yeah. if I'm seventh or eighth, as long as we win the championship, you know, I'm good. Especially with the new NIL deals, you know, dollars, <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> I like that. All right, so after your TCU career, you bounced around seven different G League teams and two different leagues in other countries. You know, Austria and Africa. What is life in the G League like, and did you prefer prefer it better or worse in this Australian league or the African league? Uh, I mean, G League G League is fun. Uh, uh, for me, I hurt my back pretty bad uh, that COVID year. I was part of a three team trade, and then I hurt my back really bad in Austria. Uh, but I was just I was blessed enough to have good relationships with with some of the guys and. Uh, in, the, in some organizations like you know the Pacers and and the Nets and uh, the Jazz and all that, so for me, you know, it wasn't necessarily about performance. It was, you know, free rehab. <laughs> I don't have to pay to fix all these bulging discs in my back. So uh, you know, they all they all you know welcome me with open arms, and and I think probably the most fun I had that the year after I heard my back was was in the G League when I and I, I didn't even think I had an agent that year for the most part. They would just call my phone and I'm like I'm like, all right, what's the situation? Okay, y'all gotta, you know, so and so is, you know, dip for a few weeks or whatever. Y'all need me just to come fill a spot. I'm like, yes, free rehab. That's that was kind of my mindset with it. But it was it was honestly like I said, it was it was really cool. And I'm glad them guys are getting uh, bigger checks and glad them guys are getting uh, uh, better living situations and all that. Because even though I had a pretty good situation where I was at, I know a lot of guys didn't have great living situations. Or I think I think the Cavs G League team were practicing in a church for a little while. So you know it, the league has grown a lot, which is very good because there's so many talented guys that play in there. Uh, I think my favorite. Uh, place to play though was in Australia. It's, it's, a, it's really Americanized, but um, um, and they're like they just they treated me so well, and and they helped me really really get back on my feet. Um, I feel like you know I was a guy who didn't get injured much going through college, or at least it didn't affect me enough to not play. So uh, I didn't really necessarily understand how bad a back injury is or how long it lingers. So in Australia, they really helped me get back healthy. Uh, you know, obviously with the G League as well, but then I got my strength back. I, you know, I started dunking the ball again and I started lifting weights and all that stuff again. I fell in love with the process and all that. Then I started getting patella tendonitis and Achilles tendonitis and all that. And, and, and honestly, it probably stemmed from being my first full season back from a back injury. Uh, but then after that, I kind of, uh, you know, my biggest thing was uh, my dream was to coach. And so for me, it was like, man, I had one foot in, one foot out. And I had one foot in, one foot out after my rookie year. Uh, 
because I that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to kind of be able to have the spot like Shaka Smart, uh, you know, at a younger age to see if I can really rack some wins up and maybe catch a guy like Dixon or Bayheim or somebody like that and wins. So, uh, you know, all the advice is, oh, you're young, man, keep playing, keep this, keep that. And, you know, uh, after Australia, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I want to I want to go into coaching. And then uh, I got offered to play in the bow, which is uh, on NBA TV. And so I was like, you know, I have my son and stuff now. I was like, oh, this is an opportunity for my son to kind of see me play basketball before I really hang it up. So I went out there and helped the team, the first time team in the playoffs and then came back home and. You know, now then became a full time dad. So, but I really <laughs> love you know, my pro career, my pro journey. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, I can get into coaching soon and and like really leave my mark with with that. Yeah. So on that topic, you're you're working with a lot of guys, like training guys right now, um, like Trey Tennyson, a, a guy for TCU who's lighting it up right now. I know you've worked with him. Can you talk to us about what your plan is for the future and what what you kind of want to do? For the future, I mean, hopefully, when if the opportunity ever opens up, uh, like I said, going to coach, and I don't care where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that's just kind of something. Something when I'm when I'm interested in things, I get super laser focused, and that's sometimes that's a bad thing. But um, the coaching and 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 strategizing how to get wins and recruiting and all that stuff interests me so much I'd be I'd be super laser focused in that field uh, so you know for me it's it's just everything for me is learning how to get better at my craft and and trying to kind of kind of put my knowledge into some of these other guys and hopefully they don't make the same mistakes I did coming up so uh but like Trey I mean me and Trey were in the gym all summer this year and and it was crazy because uh, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it at all. I thought we'd be in the gym and for a week or two, and then he'd be like, mm, I'm good. Mm, you know, I'm straight. And weirdly enough, then you just look up and I'm like, damn, we've been here every day the whole damn it the whole summer. Uh, his work ethic is unbelievable. So I'm not surprised at all. And I was telling people about his work ethic. So I'm not surprised anything that he's doing especially ball wise i'm most proud about you know the way he kind of handles himself under pressure and things like that now uh because that was kind of my main goal is for him to be able to uh if they take away your three could you get to something else that's not a layup could you get to a pull up could you master the mid-range game could you be a three-level guy and i think he's proved that i think he's proved that very well and now he's you know if you if you close out on him and he, he won dribble pull-ups. Now the big has to step out because he's making those two. And then now you got the drop off. Now you got the heavy layups, all those kind of things. Um, and honestly, he's ran the, you know, when he, they put him at point guard, he's done a very good job of, of, of taking care of the ball and not turning it over and, and still find a way to beat him. Uh, he's had some really big games for us. Uh, you know, my goal is to kind of help whoever puts on a TC uniform just because, like I said, it, it, I didn't just go there and play basketball. My, it was like, it's like a family thing, you know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a true TCU fan, even even if I didn't even go, you know, play basketball for TCU. So whenever those guys need help or if they want to get in the gym or whatever, I'm always open to it. 
So, I mean, hopefully, you know, some some more of them call me and I can help them out. And we can get some more dubs. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. This has been awesome, man. I think, you know, time's running out here soon before we let you go. But if we had one last question, what is your prediction for this season's TCU basketball team when it's all when it's all done after this year? Man, hey, honestly, man, uh, I think, man, I think we go pretty far. I think we at least, I think we surprise people, and I think we hit the, I think we hit the Sweet Sixteen for the first time. Nice. Uh, I like this year. And the reason I say that is, is because we got the experience uh, with Jacoby and 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 Miller. Uh, I think that teams like for us especially, uh, uh, we we're so athletic. And what I mean by athletic is like we're a mismatch for a lot of teams. Uh, we get up and down. I think we're number one in fast break points. Our big gets up and down, unreal. Uh, Trey could get hot at any moment. Uh, I think Trey, uh, I was in Africa at the time, actually in March, and I was watching. Uh, I think Trey had twenty five in the in the second half. You know, we have a lot of guys who who are confident enough to you know change the change the game. I think you know Jameer had had thirty uh, at Baylor off the bench. Yeah. Those little things like that, all that kind of stuff matters. You know, when you go into the postseason, we have a lot of playmakers, man. They could, they could, they could all go off at the same time, or you know, all you need is one or two of them to really have a game. And we're so good defensively this year. Um, we didn't really show. I mean, Texas game, we kind of, we kind of gave that one up. Um, they were just more, more, more. I mean, more physical than us going into. I think we lost the rebound battle pretty bad, but uh, you know, the, like. Games like that, we lose those games. They didn't beat us. We beat our – when you're in the tournament, man, you, you don't think about that kind of stuff. You, you really – you know, you play every possession like it's your last. So, yeah, I think with the makeup of our team, how deep we are, the fact that we can score in the low post, the fact that, that, that you know, if Miller has a mismatch, we can, we, can, we can attack. The fact that Jacoby's a mismatch for a lot of guys with his weight and his mid-range game. Uh fact that Trey can get hot at any moment and get really, really hot. The fact that Jameer can be a three-level guy and get hot. The fact that Avery uh, can also be a three-level guy and get hot. I mean, it, you know, I like to see a little bit more lobs from us. <laughs> so I, yeah. I like to see dunks. But, man, I, I, I really like our chances at least making it to the Sweet 16, kind of, you know, doing something else TCU hasn't done. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're about to, it's about to kick us off here, but we really appreciate you coming on, man. This is so cool. Yeah, this has no been problem. awesome. Appreciate everything. And this is, this is big for us having you on. So you, this has been great. No problem, man. Anytime, man. Anytime. I enjoyed it. That was Alex Robinson Jr. One of the best TCU basketball players in the program's history. One of the best TCU athletes in the school's history. Really cool to have him on. Uh, he was, it was so cool. I remember watching that NIT team, um, with him on it. You know, he was a part of a lot of good teams. Obviously you heard all that. You just heard all that. What am I telling you that for? What I do want to say is thank you to Alex Robinson for coming on and, uh, chatting with us. It was so cool. Such a cool conversation. I also want to thank you, the listener for coming back and continuing to listen. And if, and if this is your first time listening to the killer frogs frog fever big 12 basketball podcast you should come back and listen next week because we do it every week and i think we're getting better at it got some good pods good guests all that good stuff 
Anyway, my name is Davis Wilson. My co-host, as always, is Nick Giramani, and we will see you next week.